Hello and welcome to What's the Story Ghost? I'm your host Annette. And I'm Stephen. And today we are on episode 19. Stephen, today we are going to discuss reincarnation. Cool. What are your thoughts on reincarnation? I want to be reincarnated as something cool, maybe like an eagle or something. An eagle would be cool. Yeah, yeah. Because even as kids we dream of flying. Oh, yeah. We crack on? Crack and crack, crack and crack. (laughs) <laughs> may edit that, but yeah. They're getting weirder and weirder. I love it. <laughs> I often find when I ask people if they believe in reincarnation, the response is usually a shocked no, a very bizarre look, followed by them slowly backing away, which is fine. It's a bit of an odd question, especially in Catholic Ireland. But I'm a very open-minded person and I would like to think That there is more to life than wearing a human costume for 70 plus years and then nothing. Think about it. We observe the principles of reincarnation everywhere in life. Nature, the stars, even the idea of a new day. In nature, we observe a plant grow and live for days or weeks. And then the plant dies, releases its seeds and another plant grows. In our stars, Every star eventually runs out of its hydrogen gas fuel and dies. As the hydrogen runs out, a star with a similar mass to our sun will expand and become a red giant. In our days and nights, well I know what you're probably thinking, aha Annette, that's just the earth rotating around the sun, which is correct, but I'm not talking about physically. How many times have you had just a really mucky day and thought tomorrow is a brand new day and I will make sure it's better? We reincarnate ourselves every day. It's in our nature, our blood, right down to our DNA to look for newer, better, faster or stronger, be it health, wealth or versions of ourselves. We naturally want to evolve. So I don't think that ends just because our time, this time, has ended. Dreams are the playground of the unconscious mind and while repetitive dreams may occasionally signify trauma, fear or problems that your brain is trying to process, repetitive dreams can also be reflections of a past life experience. I have a reoccurring dream of a castle. Now, not your typical princess dream that you have on occasion in adulthood that stems from a childhood dream, but I'm a maid in a castle. I think it's in the 12th century. I don't know, everyone is wearing robes or long dresses. In my dream, I walk from my home through a cobbled town towards the castle. Sometimes the aroma of the food is so strong or the sound from the stables is so loud it feels like I'm there. Yet I've never tasted or smelt 12th century cooking. I don't know. I imagine it would all be boiled. And I am definitely not accustomed to the commotion of a stable. So where does that come from? Children with out-of-place memories or misunderstandings of events could simply be their fantasies or after further questioning could reveal an accurate detailing of a past life. Norma and her two sons, Cameron and Martin, live in Glasgow. Both her sons are fantastic little guys, but her youngest son, Cameron, tells a fascinating tale that you may or may not believe. From the age of two, some of Cameron's first words were the usual, Mama... Baba. And somewhere along the way there was Barra. As he grew and words became easier to string into sentences, Cameron tells his mum, his brother, his nursery school teacher, anyone who will listen about living in Barra with his brothers and sisters, a family dog, his other mum, a dad and aeroplanes landing on the beach. 
It sounds like a lovely little fantasy you have as a child. As it turns out, Barra is an island in the Outer Hebrides, Scotland. It's over 350 kilometres away from where they live and no one in their family had ever been before. Barra has a population of approximately 1,200 and the island is about 16 kilometres long. Barra Airport is the only airport in the world with a beach as a runway. The runways are only accessible with the fall of the tide, so flights to the beach runway depend on the schedule of the tide and when the beach is exposed, which is pretty cool. And though Barra has a rich history with a strong traditional music scene and of course a runway on the beach, it's not the type of place the youth of today would be Googling. So how Cameron came to learn about Barra was a mystery to his mum. As Cameron got older, his story never wavered. He talked incessantly about his Barra family. Some of the details he described were vague, like his Barra mum, she had long brown hair and then she got it cut short. But when he described his Barra dad, he was able to tell his mum that his name was Shane Robertson and that he had black spiky hair, he always wore shirts and that he had died when he was struck by a car and that the car was silver and green. He knew all the details about the accident because he unfortunately witnessed it. He mentioned a white single-storey family home that was bigger than his current house with three bedrooms. He had three brothers and three sisters. All the boys slept in one bedroom and the girls in the other. One of his sister's names was Lindsay and they play tag together. They had a family dog. It was black with white hair on its chest and a cat that was orange. He talked about swimming in the rock pools, playing on the beach and sometimes going on holiday with his family. He also mentioned using a black phone and mimicked dialing it, suggesting it was a rotary phone. In his memories, Cameron had only described his younger years, recalling himself as a boy a little older than he was. He never mentioned dying, only that he fell through a hole, somehow connected with the White House and then came into Norma's tummy. He said, I was in Barra and now I'm here. He became so preoccupied with Barra and missing his Barra mum that he was starting to suffer genuine distress. One day in nursery, he was so upset and kept saying that rather than Norma picking him up, he wanted his Barra mum to come and get him. With tears streaming down his face, he kept saying, I have to go to Barra, I have to go to Barra, my family are missing me. Even his uncle Ian initially dismissed his story as fantasy, but as time passed, they became harder to explain away. That and the consistency of his story and the fact that he never wavered from it. Ian explained the look on Cameron's face when he was telling the story shows that it is evident that he believes his story is true. Being open-minded, Norma decides to take steps to find out if there's any rational explanation for Cameron's memories of this other family. Dr Chris French, a psychologist who edits the Skeptic magazine, which debunks paranormal phenomenon, was her first step. Not surprisingly, he dismisses any talk of reincarnation, suggesting that a child's overactive imagination can be swayed by the multitude of television programmes available and the easy access to the internet. Norma was not convinced. She does not believe that Cameron has ever watched programmes that could have provided this information, or even something that Martin could have watched and then told his brother about. There was only one year between the boys and she said she raised them practically as twins, so I imagine they watched the same things on TV and played with the same toys. So the next step is for Norma to visit Karen Majors, a 
an educational psychologist who specialises in children and their fantasy lives. In her opinion, Cameron's imaginary friends are very different from typical childhood friends. In the past 40 years, 2,500 children have claimed to have memories of another life. At the University of Virginia, a department was set up to investigate these claims. Psychiatrist Dr. Jim Tucker is the director of research. I will attach the link as always, but one of the links is a video discussing this story and some other cases that Dr. Jim Tucker covers. One of the cases he speaks about is amazing. A couple talks about their son, who believes he was his own grandfather, which sounds odd, but he was able to identify his grandfather and his grandfather's first car in some photos. The parents thought this was intriguing since their boy's grandfather died the year before he was born. Now I know what you're thinking. Being able to point out his grandfather in a photo could be a lucky guess. But it was when his mum asked him, and did you have any brothers or sisters? That his answer floored his parents. He said, well, I had a sister, but she died. Yeah, she turned into a fish. She died. Some bad guys. What had happened was his grandfather's sister was murdered and her body was dumped in the San Francisco Bay. But there was no way he could have known her circumstances. It wasn't discussed among his family and barely discussed among his father's family. Now back to Cameron's story. Norma started to realise that there were no easy answers to the questions regarding Cameron's memories. Cameron had asked persistently to be taken to Barra. Norma had finally decided to make that journey. The decision to travel to Barra with Cameron was not welcomed by all. Norma had to stand up to a lot of people who disapproved, but she was adamant for so many reasons. For one, she was hoping the trip would either help give Cameron closure or proof. Dr. Jim Tucker had been following Cameron's case. To follow a case as it unfolds is a rare opportunity. So he flew from Virginia to Glasgow to join the family on their trip to Barra. Again, I mentioned the video link in the description and I strongly recommend you give it a watch because I cannot accurately describe the reaction on Cameron's face when they land in Barra on the beach runway and he shouts out excitedly, See, I told you it was true! As they drove from the airport to the hotel, Cameron looks intently out the window and gives little descriptions of things he sees and things he remembers. The next morning, they visit the local heritage centre to try and find some information on who Cameron refers to as his Baradad and the Robertson family. Callum McNeil is the local historian who looks into this for them. The Robertson family name living in a home close to the beach doesn't come up in the history of the island. But when Dr. Tucker and Norma tell Callum of the area that Cameron has told them about, he can narrow down at least a northern part of the island that they can go to. They drive past many houses on the island, but Cameron hasn't recognised his home yet. The adults are disappointed, but Cameron and Martin are five and six and they are elated playing on the beach and could care less about memories and details and phone calls. But the following morning, Callum the historian does call. Dr. Tucker and Norma go to meet him and he informs them that his details of the homeowners were based on islanders in permanent residence. As it turns out, there was a Robertson family from the mainland who owned the white holiday home by the shore 
In fact, it couldn't have been closer to the shore. So he gave them the details and they were off. The directions to the home take them down a route they hadn't travelled before. They don't tell Cameron where they're going, as they don't want to influence him or put any pressure on him. As they come upon the house, Cameron retreats into himself and is uncharacteristically quiet. But he walks around the home and shows his mum the secret gate and the rock pools he had told them about. They tour the house and Cameron tells his mum about the rooms that his brother slept in and that his sister slept in, but overall he's very sad. When they return to Glasgow, information is found regarding the family who holidayed in the home and a meeting is arranged between Norma and a lady named Gillian Robertson. But Cameron starts acting out. He loses his temper and fights with his brother and Norma assumes that maybe now he is frightened. He had always said that he missed his Barra family. But if they did indeed find them, would he have to go and live with them? In the end, he decides he wants to go with his mum to meet Gillian. While some of Cameron's details fit with absolute precision, others did not at all. The family name matches, along with the white house that they holidayed in, being so close to the shore, even the dog. But the name Shane Robertson and the car accident do not. There are so many questions here. How come Cameron remembered some details with impressive accuracy and other memories didn't fit at all? Were Cameron's memories made up of two different past life memories? Did visiting the home give Cameron some closure? In summary, no matter what happens after we're gone, one thing is for sure, and it's coined perfectly by Keanu Reeves when he was asked, what do you think happens when you die? And he replied, I know that the ones who love us will miss us. Or to show my more nerdy side, Seven of Nine Voyagers, season four, episode 12. My connection to the Borg has been severed, but the collective still possess my recollections, my experiences. In a sense, I will always exist. What do you think of that? I was, I was listening intently. <laughs> that was good. Good, right? that's your job. I listen. It's interesting. It'll be cool. I'd like to watch the video. That's a that's a Netflix documentary there. I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think so. I, I really do encourage people, and I know I'm I'm pushing people away from the podcast, but it's. Bear in mind the videos from. No, I like early to watch the I like to watch the, what I use yeah. the research on. What we used to listen to, uh, another podcast, Killing uh, Pennsylvania, Patrick Hasbilla, and I used to listen to them, and I used to love going find. Sorry, that's true crime obsessed for anyone who can't hear Stephen and I sing that awful, awful rendition. No, of that song. I'm tone deaf. Uh, <laughs> you, you could sing. Um, place your request for an Etsy thing in the next episode. <laughs> Uh, no, but we I used to listen to them, or we used to listen to them. You know, when we went on long drives, we'd listen to them, and then I'd try and find them on Netflix or whatever that and watch them. That only happened today when we were driving, and you start talking to me about this thing that you watched, this documentary, and as soon as you as soon as you mentioned Zion, one, the Matrix came into my head, and two, I was flooded by all these memories of Gillian and Patrick having their giddy conversations as they do, and then I remembered we had actually listened to them do an episode on the documentary so there was times where you'd listen to a, po- a podcast and you're kind of like right that's their rendition of it i'd love to watch it myself just to get an idea of it mm. the video itself is probably from i don't know if it's the very early 2000s mary maybe close to 2000 nowhere cl- nowhere further than 2010 but the reason I, i'm telling people to watch it is just i can't explain his little face when he sees things 
and he gets really excited. And even when he's at home and they're doing the interviews with, say, his mum's uh, neighbour next door and her kid comes over and they all play together, you can see him. He's such a, he's an electric character and he's just really happy and he's bouncing around the place. And then as soon as they come up to the house, bear in mind he's only five. And all he wants her to do is hold him. And I don't mean just like cuddle into her. He wanted her to pick him up and hold him. He just, he immediately felt very withdrawn. And and like she said, she, she reckoned that the reason he reacted the way he did was, oh God, now that I'm here, I don't know if I actually want to go. I don't know if I want this. I I, I want to stay with my mum because it's really funny. Norma said to him, he's such a cheeky little thing. Norma said to him, what uh or do you love me or your baramum more and he was like i love you both the same and she was like no that's the wrong answer you cheek but it's really cute he's such a cute little kid and then he just completely changes as soon as they get to the house and he has an absolute strop and starts acting totally out of character because she reckons he thinks oh if this other family does exist are they going to want to take me am i going to have to leave my mum and my brother I'd, I'd love to see like a follow up of what afterwards. if it's what if it's close to a paranormal hotspot that because the accident happened there or where he died there close to a paranormal mm. hotspot and then went through the wormhole to his mom's tummy. Yeah. Uh, when he returns to that paranormal, he he might sense it and feel angry and aggravated or it might affect him in a different way mm. it might yeah like the veil could be really thin and he just has all these mixed emotions exactly yeah, yeah yeah i'm wondering though um should they have maybe tried variations of the name instead of just focusing on shane robertson car crash lived in white house should they maybe branch out a little bit they I might mean, have tried robinson because we have edited that <laughs> in and then have I love Lost in Space. It's one of my favorite series. And um, so yes, that that has been edited probably fourteen thousand times. No, um, but I, I'm just wondering if they if they could have instead of looking for X, Y, and Z, could they have looked for X and then seen where that went? So obviously there's only twelve hundred, and there would have been less at the time. But there's only twelve hundred people on this tiny little island. It is. It's not in any way, shape or form a big, bustling, booming island. It's not like Ibiza where it has thousands upon thousands of people. It's it's, it's got twelve hundred people. Surely if they'd looked I mean, he mentioned the rotary phone. So that's I mean, my nana had one of them. You're talking sixties, seventies. Could they have looked for, you know, accidents that happened involving a greenish silverish car? Like I think they could have maybe looked into it a little bit more for him that way. Because yeah. if it turned out that his name was Seamus instead of Shane or yeah. Sean instead of Shane. Or he had a weird nickname. Uh, here's a funny story. I found out my granny's actual name when I went to visit her in hospital. And I went up to the nurse's station and I said, can I speak? Or I'm here to see my grandmother, Molly. And they're like, there's no Molly here. There's nobody. Here. And I was like, no, but my granny's here. <laughs> I want to see my granny. She's like, what? Oh, I came no. all this way. What's her, what's her full name? What's her first name? And then my cousin came over and she's like, hey, how are you? And you're I'm like, like you're not granny. So granny's probably here. And I was like, this nurse has said granny's not here. And she goes, Mary. And I'm like, who's Mary? So apparently in, in the old and Irish times, 
that was a done thing. You just kind of get a random yeah. nickname. You didn't. I don't know. If you, like I would have. I don't want to say earned my nickname, but I feel like I did because some kids bullied me and eventually called me my nickname. Wait, but, are these just like are these the scouts or no, is this when like you were also a kid? Because little kids can be bullies at times. You know, <laughs> make names sounds like your 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 name and my name nickname name was Corky, but it it's they started off with like things like oh you're uh, Cork in a bottle ha ha. ha. And when you're like, oh when you're like six, if somebody says boo to you, you're like, you dastardly fiend. Um, so yeah, that's I know. I think, I think you're right though, because especially when you're in school, like my mum went to Mount Sackville and the shenanigans that the girls used to get up to. Sackville shenanigans. But just to get away with it or just to try and like, you know, test the nurse, the, uh, the nuns. Um, but they used to give each other nicknames. Now my mum was, obviously Bernadine, but she was always Bernie, always, always, always. But she had a friend who's, I think her name was Bridget, but they always called her uh, Biddy. She had, oh God, there'd be whatever your parents gave you. If you hated your name, the, lo- the like your, yeah, your yeah. friends would always give you your nickname. I had a friend whose nickname was Chili and I cannot for the life of me remember his first name now because I've always known him as Chili. I don't know him as anything else other than Chili. There was another guy who was ironically five foot two and we called him diesel which is hilarious because diesel is what you would represent as like you know big monster truck or you know a big car and he was this tiny little thing and we used to call him diesel and now i actually realize it was actually kind of mean so we're just going to move on from that very swiftly <laughs> we could edit out parts of the bullying it's okay i didn't name us. him that i didn't name him that you're part of the problem you are you are you could have been one of my bullies i know i Despite the fact that you probably weren't even born when I was given that nickname. <laughs> Have you any notes for me? When? When was this? I think the documentary was made in 2007, but I could be wrong. And at that stage, she was only five. Mm. So he would have been born when I know my leave insert. She was reincarnated into somebody smart and could answer some questions for me. Yeah, it was either it was either 97 or 2007. Seven is in my head for one reason or another. Um, But what I gathered from the documentary it kind of sounds like he's just really sensitive to the past life experiences yeah um and and it could be that he's just jumbled up to different life experiences but as well as that I'll jump back in because I've confused everybody by giving potential paranormal solutions here and that's not who I am and that's not my job no it's and actually I apologize. not <laughs> so it's all drugs <laughs> Uh, he was. He had had too many pixie sticks. That's what it was. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Well, your, the mother was saying, "Oh, he. There's no way he. He. He looks at very little TV. There's. There's very little stuff that he can." Yeah, straight off the bat, she's like, "No, I'm kidding." Though. So he could have watched a quick episode or something. Yeah. Or you know, reeling in the years in Scotland or something, and a crash happened. And most definitely, it. it, it children's minds are like sponges. But like, and it make something out of that of course of course he could have read a book where uh, an airplane landed on something whatever it was and he couldn't quite make out that it was just a normal runway and it looked a bit grainy and he thought oh it was sand went to bed that night had a dream about an airplane that lands on a beach and it could have stemmed from there he could have talked to your father for 15 minutes he didn't know any any part in the country my sister and i have talked on many occasions and What she remembers and what I remember are two completely different things. So the fact that, yes, her her two sons were only a year apart. My sister and I are just barely two years apart. There's things that she remembers that I, like we we were both at said event. 
but we both remember things completely differently. So it could be a case that, you know, maybe Martin was telling them a story and he maybe misheard it or they were both. I mean, they live 350 kilometers away from that beach, but it doesn't mean that they've never been to a beach before. And, you know, from going to Bray, he could have gone to an air show. He could have seen an airplane while he was at the beach and went home that night. And through conversations that he and his brother had had the most elaborate dream, or maybe he was reincarnated. Could have been any of them things. I I don't know if it's out of fear. And this is why the Chris French, the um, psychologist from, he does the debunking in yeah. the Skeptic magazine. Um, he plays me in the film of our, does, do, yeah. of our documentary style podcast. Exactly, yeah. yeah. He puts it very coldly, I suppose. But he, he puts, we like the idea of reincarnation because it makes us feel better. And it's not because, oh God, when we go, I very seldom feel for the person who was gone. They're gone and be it to a better place or they're not in pain anymore, whatever solace you can take from it. My perspective, like when my mum passed away, I thought to myself, do you know what? She always thought she wanted to be a butterfly. My mum was a bit on the on the outside side of weird. She was pretty cool, but she was pretty weird. I take solace in knowing that she could be off as a butterfly. My mother is convinced that every time she sees Robin that her dad or mother have come to say hello. Stephen, darling, that is your mother and everybody else's mother because someone well, said along someone somewhere said along the way look there there's your granddad look there there's your uncle john look there there's your auntie rita if that gives your mum some sort of oh, just, by oh go for it go for it i'm off well see every I'm, time i see a white feather i think of my mum every time i see a butterfly i think of my mum the day of my mum's reposal uh, my sister just went off to have a bit of quiet time. She was doing her eulogy and she sat in a field or in uh, the rose garden in the place that we had the thing. And myself and my auntie were chatting away and I had my back to my sister. My auntie stopped me and she pat me on the shoulder and she was like, look at your sister. And I looked at her and I swear to God, as true as I'm sitting here, there was about 10 butterflies flying around her. Now, take from that what you will. But I like to think that that was my mom looking over her shoulder going... No, I don't like that. Rewrite that. No, you can't say that about me. It might be funny, but it's no, it's not very flattering. Well, I, that, uh, <laughs> yeah. What do butterflies eat? Small bugs, I suppose. I don't know. Do they eat anything? That's why they don't last that long. I'd love to be one of those. Like I'd love to be constantly reincarnated into one of those one day kind of bugs. Because imagine if you only lived for one day, your zest for life would just be. Oh, there's no time. I have to get everything done. I think that would. Some I people would, would do amazing. great. That's 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 always a good meeting, um, advice. Is set your set a time for your meeting. And somebody said to me recently in the last week or so, uh, I like to set my meetings for forty five minutes rather than an hour, because the the fifteen minutes before or after people used to prepare or to think about afterwards. Yeah. But the forty five minutes, well, this meeting's a little bit shorter. I better stick to the point and not go off on tangents. Yeah. Um. Now. I don't know how well you do with that. You just say your tangents <laughs> quicker and and then get more distracted. I cannot explain how often we have recorded for 40, 45, 49 minutes sometimes. And then all of a sudden I have it cut down to this nice, neat and tidy, still probably a bunch load of waffle of a 35 minute like episode. Uh, and it's mostly us forgetting that we're recording. <laughs> the last episode we released was what, 20 minutes? 
a little bit over. We were talking for six weeks. <laughs> we were, that was the 49-minute episode. I think I was about to say Sorry. I'm all for reincarnation, whether I'm a skeptic or not, and it would be cool because it gives me the, the, the hope to come back as something else, like an eagle or a butterfly. Hmm. But then there's the fear of, what if I come back as something I don't want to be, like a slug or one of them fish that kind of walks on his hands in the mud or there's other things something on the lower end of the food chain yeah yeah but then again do you know what you know if i could fill in a form and send a request and i could (laughs) pick my top five things to come back or things you definitely don't want to come but i was also thinking about becoming an eagle and then it was like yeah eagles fly around and they eat stuff and they they eat a lot of like they kill the rabbits and stuff and I, I, I'm partial to a bit of rabbit, but I, I've, I've, I've never eaten it raw. Yeah, that's more of a stew kind of thing. Yeah, for you. and I, you know, I don't know if I'd have to. But if you're an eagle, to, to you don't. <laughs> but if you're an eagle, you don't know about stew. You don't know that there's all these wonderful seasonings, and you, you don't know that rosemary and thyme exist. I don't know. Do they go into rabbit? I don't know what goes into. I, I don't know. Yeah, you just, I just it. I don't know what's in the mixed herbs. It's usually Italian the, herbs. The, the flavor, the flavor is just mixed or Italian herbs. I am partial to Italian herbs. Stephen, yeah. can I have the recipe? Yeah. It's uh, pasta mm. sauce and uh, Italian herbs. Yeah. 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 Oh, my boys like it. Yay! <laughs> so I have four main characters. Oh, here brilliant! Yes, God, we did this backwards. Go. Uh, I have four main characters that okay. we need to think about. We have Cameron main character. Yes. Right, and we also have the mother. Norma. Yes, and we also have Callum. I think he's a kind of a small part in it. And then we have the scientist guy. Which one? The last the one, one? The one that travelled with them, I think. Dr. Tucker. Dr. Jim Tucker. Dr. Jim Tucker. Now, <laughs> if anybody was going to get a nickname in school, it was that <laughs> Tucker. So, so I have in my mind okay, this kind of nerdy but quirky... Uh, Sorry, so I, just set the scene first. This isn't a movie. This is a Netflix series we're doing, is it? Or it could be a feature. It's film. a. It's one of the Netflix um, reenactments, kind of reenactment documentary thing. Okay. Uh, okay. Because I've got some big names in here. Okay. So it's it's not a small production. Okay. Um. So, uh, Callum is the, the historian. The historian. Yeah. So in my mind, he's a little bit wild and a little bit quirky. And a recent person has come to come to light this week, going for a dip in dark Vico, the Vico bats, um, Harry Styles. Yes. Yeah. Yes. He would make a great. Now, bear in mind, you don't know what Callum in this program actually looks like. He's... No, but the idea here is that I have visualised what. Apologies. The this is. is your show. You okay? So I can see. No, Harry this is Styles. not my show. This is my segment. I'm sorry. So Harry Styles plays Callum. Okay. Okay. Now, uh, the mom, the mom, the mother. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Uh, this is this is a bit of serious acting in here now. Okay. Uh, Haley Kaka Kaku. Uh, Big Bang. Big Bang. Yes, Hayley. yes, yeah. yes, yes. Now. Oh, cause she'd be she'd be the loving mom, and she'd be kind of like, listen, none of your business. I'm bringing him. He needs to find yeah, out if this yeah. is true. Yeah, I can see that. I can yeah, see that. Yeah. Uh, and then you're going to love this because you've never heard of this fella before. You've never heard of this show before. It's... Cathy uh... Bates. No, it's not. <laughs> I haven't, we, haven't, uh, we haven't got a Cathy Bates yet. Okay. But uh, Gaten Ma- Matarazzo 
If I'm not even sure if I'm saying that right, but he plays Dustin in Stranger Things. Oh, for God's sake. Stranger Things. <laughs> All right. And now my favourite is the quirky, weird, but brilliantly smart Dr. Tucker. Yes. Jeff Goldblum. Yes. Oh, my God. This actually sounds amazing. I have someone for Kathy Bates. The psychologist who told Norma, no, you're not crazy. That's not normal. Yes. Childhood fantasy. That's who she could play. She could be the no. You need to go. You need to travel to Barry. You ne- yeah, I can see it. I can see it. I can see it. I can see it all in my head, which is probably where it's going to stay. But it's a really nice thing. It's, it's just a lovely show, Stephen. Well done. Well done. Well done. Really impressed with that cast. The whole lineup. Feel free to edit out your sarcasm. I'm not being sarcastic. That was really, really good. I really enjoyed it. The only one that I would very slightly with is Harry Styles. And that's only because John C. Yeah. Would be more Callum for me. And that's only because he's older. He is a historian. So when you watch, this docu- you watch this documentary and it was an older man playing it. Well, see, I don't immediately think of a young person in their 20s or 30s. And please tell me if I'm wrong. If there's people out there that have massive history majors and I'm after like slapping you in the face with a fish, I'm very sorry. But it's a teeny tiny island and a historian who's generally from the island wouldn't be in his 20s what about or 30s. Doc Martin from Back to the Future? Just a bit crazy. Yeah, name. no, that could work. That well, could work. Well, look, if you're listening, John C. Rowley <laughs> or Doc Martin from Back to the Future <laughs> or Harry Styles, we are holding editions. Hang on a second. When I said Sharon Curley, you were like, Sharon Curley's from the snapper. How come you're allowed to say Doc Martin from... But I'm not allowed to say Sharon because this is your segment and I'm going to shut up. Keep going. You're, you're, you're getting on the bus now, thanks. <laughs> so all of those three players, uh, feel free to contact us directly for, with our uh, Instagram page. Yes, um, yes, yes, we can yes. line up some interviews. We have no budget. We have no <laughs> set. We have no backup of any kind. <laughs> we have a bucket full of gumption, dreams and imagination. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's all we need. But, you know, feel My- free. Imagine you and I actually trying to write a story together, though, because I'm very, I lean into the, I had a conversation with someone the other day and they were like, "Mm, I don't believe in stuff. Is it still going on? (laughs) No, not anymore. They were like, I don't believe in anything I can't see. And that fascinates me because you can't see a whole bunch of stuff, but you kind of rely on it on a daily basis. You can't see the air, but yet you're breathing it. Exactly. Exactly. But... I would lean into a story more so in that I would believe pretty much anything. And it's not because I'm gullible. It's because I have to believe there's more than what I can see or feel or touch. Because there is a difference between feeling things and touching things. I have to believe that there is more. So for you and I to write a story, I'd be like, no, of course. I, I see the romantic side of it. And you're like, but it's not real. And I'm like, no, but look at it. Look at it from the moochy side. And you're like, but the goblin is not real. You and I could not write a story together. Your story would be a novel. And my story would be a paragraph. <laughs> It'd be the footnotes. <laughs> it's, it's actually, it depends. And it's all about perspective. It depends on how you see things and what you see. And do you remember I mentioned about one of the training courses we did, uh, Insights, it was called in work. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, a picture was put up on the slide and the woman says put your hand up if you see the old woman or put your hand up if you see the young woman and a lot yes. of people seen the young woman and some people seen the old woman and yeah. you can't and you could I couldn't even I think I seen the young woman and I, but I couldn't see the old woman until somebody actually like you change the contrast yeah, to something and you can see and the you other can image. see it but it's 
So I would be very literal in my thinking, whereas you would be very emotional in your thinking. And some of the things we were asked to do was uh, she put a picture up and she would say, write down the first five words that come to your mind when you look at this picture. Yeah. And the picture was, um, see, it's going to be hard for me to do this because it's not an actual picture, but I would put, I would put down horse, uh, silhouette, man, field, and the touchy-feely people were all like, sunset, romance, yeah. e- uh, evening, horses in love. I would be the more empathic, emotional, descriptive person, whereas you live your life in bullet points. And I say that, it sounds like it's a it's a complaint or a trait that I hate about you, but that is the only thing that keeps the two of us balanced. And in some form of, in some way, functioning. So it's kind of like a marriage bed. There is a finite amount of conversation time allocated to us. Mm. And I use bullet points because I love you and I know you want to use up a lot more of that time. <laughs> Similarly to the size of the bed, I sleep on this sliver that I currently have my foot resting on. Can I Can I even begin to tell you the amount of times I've fallen out of the bed? We're not getting into this. We're <laughs> well, not look, getting into okay. Okay, just you're just gonna agree. Is, it, is that your bullet point answer? This is my bullet point answer. It may not. I may not feel that way. Uh, but I okay. Okay, so we'll finish up there. <laughs> yeah, we'll finish up there. Yeah, do your words. So be sure to send us any questions, queries, or comments you have on today's episode or any other episode onto our Instagram. Our Instagram is What's the Story Ghost. If you have any stories of your own, be sure to email us at What's the Story Ghost at gmail dot com. And on that note. Exit jingle. What game shows that? I don't know. <laughs> Bye. I remember from a past life.